Welcome to Examining Scripture. This is the second podcast of the original four-part series. You can get the backstory to how Examining Scripture came to be in the introduction to Episode 1. We invite you to go back and listen. It will provide context not only for this episode, but for Examining Scripture podcast as a whole. Our goal is to offer practical ideas to go into Scripture to find what God has to say about your circumstance. It's that simple. Practical tools for practical needs. Originally, this podcast was called Searching Scripture and was part of the church's Immeasurably More podcast series. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the Immeasurably More podcast. I am your host, Nancy Carmichael, and we are in episode number two of a special series called Searching the Scriptures. I am here with Bob Red, who likes to call himself an overeducated MBA with the chemistry degree. Maybe he'll talk a little more about that. Um, but he's a great friend. And most importantly, he is passionate about the scriptures and about encouraging and empowering normal people like you and me to search and understand them. So welcome back, Bob. Well, thank you, Nancy. It's great to be back. Well, we just had a great conversation here on the Immeasurably More podcast last time. So uh, let's do a little recap of that. If you Can you can you do it? Can you do a 30-second recap? Yeah, I think I can. So, Previously on Immeasurably More. Yeah, so we were talking about why we uh, believe the Bible is the uh, Word of God and that uh, it is sufficient, which is a way to saying that's all we need. And uh, it is God's revelation of mankind about himself, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Okay. All right. I think we are brought up to speed. And of course, you can always go back and listen to that first episode. It really was great. And I know we, we ended on a on a practical note about, you know, getting that, that context, just understanding that there's more than just those words, right? There's there's meaning, there's history, there's linguistics, there's idioms, there's all kinds of things going on if you only would would just search for them. That's right. Yeah. So um, it's it's all about context, right? It's all about context. Exactly. So speaking of context, let's get to know you a little bit better. So yes, we did intro you as that overeducated MBA. Um, so tell us a, a little more about you, whatever you want to say, just tell us whatever you want, maybe, maybe even how you came to Eastern Hills, because you and your wife, Diane, have been here for a little while. Yeah, my better half by two-thirds, even though the math doesn't work. Anyway, um, yeah, so uh, we were spending time at an Episcopal church, and uh, uh, for Diane, coming out of the uh, Catholic faith, I think it was a bit too um, uh, uh, rights-based, regimental, uh, regimented for her. She was looking for something more... uh, uh, where the gospel was preached more uh, openly and not so regimented as the Catholic and Episcopal uh, service can be. And uh, I was, uh, and I would say we were, but I guess I was really leading it more, was leading a, um, a, uh, uh, what do you, what do you call it when you're teaching little kids during 
church. Oh, Sunday school. Sunday right. school. Sunday Thank school. you. Oh my gosh. Sunday, How could Sunday, I? Sunday, Sunday. Yeah, all day Sunday. So I was teaching a Sunday school with these kids and uh, I'd committed to um, do it for four years and we were in the fourth year and um, Diane said, well, I want to, I, I want to change. And I said, absolutely. I said, why don't you go find a place where we can land that better suits your uh, what you're looking for, uh, I can worship anywhere where there are um, two or more believers in Jesus Christ and uh, enjoy it immensely. So she went off and did that, and she came back, uh, you know, and said, I found a church, so the next time you get a break, and in Sunday school, you usually get a break around the holidays like Easter or Christmas because families are traveling and you don't have Bible uh, Sunday school. And uh, so the first break I had, she says, oh, we got to go to this place, Eastern Hills. And I said, oh, great. Um, love the pastor. I said, oh, fantastic. So we get there. And uh, wouldn't you know it, it's my first time at Eastern Hills. And the pastor, uh, Pastor Eastlack, announces that he's leaving. Ah, just in time. And I thought, mm, okay, uh, we don't worship a pastor. We you know, congregate among believers, and uh, we search to be with people where the word is both taught and shared and um, worship. So anyway, so I go back to uh, Sunday school, and we get the next holiday break, and I come back, and there's this pastor who uh, I guess apparently uh, there had been a number of pastors uh, in successive Sundays essentially preaching to the congregation. And these were uh, candidates, finalists, however you want to say it, uh, for the uh, for Pastor Eastlack's position as he had moved on. And um, so I'm there. We enjoy the service, and I come out of it. And I said, well, I haven't seen any of the other pastors, but um, they'd be crazy if they don't pick this guy because he's all about Scripture. And uh, wouldn't you know, thank the Lord, that it was Pastor Pat Jones, and uh, we know him well. Yes, and so I guess my all to say, my beginnings at Eastern Hills um, really mirrored that as uh, with Pastor Pat. Right. So you came, yeah. So you came at a, a time of key transition here, and as you said, Pastor Carl was wonderful. He led this church for twenty two years. Um, so it was sad that you saw the tail end of him, and yet in that transition. God brought his man here to help us learn the word. And as we know, we talked about this last time, that the word is a person, right? We're not just talking about just words on a page. That's right. The person of Jesus Christ. And certainly that's what Carl was all about. That's what Pat is all about. And I know that's what you're all about. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So what do you what do you want to talk about? Yeah, well, so let's segue from last time. So uh, we talked about how the Bible is sufficient. It is the Word of God, God's revelation to mankind about himself. And um, the big claim that the writers of Scripture of the Bible uh, have made is that uh, it's from God. It's uh, not from human origin, but from divine origin. And if we look at, and going back to our searches, um, we find that in 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17, we're told that Scripture is God-breathed and uh, sufficient for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, um, for training up in righteousness, right? 
that's the main reason why we turn to the Scripture, is it's God-breathed, right? And in Second uh, Peter chapter 1, 20 and 21, Peter tells us that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, for no prophecy um, was ever uh, a, a matter of uh, human inspiration, or uh, and uh, it's written of uh, by men moved by the Holy Spirit, spoke from God. So we have this concept in Scripture where uh, we're told that this is God's word, and uh, if you wanted to do the search, I invite you to do it. Look for terms like "I am," "Thus saith the Lord," "God said." Um, the Lord has spoken, any of those things. What you'll find that is, depending on how many searches you care to do, there are over 3,800 references where God is telling the writer, I am speaking to you. You you put this down on pen and paper. Mm -hmm. And what we've learned in Scripture is that there's multiple authors, some 66 books, if you will, some nearly 40 authors, human authors, but there's really one author, and that is the Holy Spirit, who is God. The author and perfecter of our faith. Amen. That's what I think it says in those scriptures, right? So, That's right. Yeah, and, and last time, you know, I you, you kind of introduced this idea of, yeah, you know, if there's a term that you want to look up or, or something that you're going through, I think you, you talked about the word will, or, you know, now you're talking about I am, you know, you can look that up, right? You have those tools, like those concordance, whether it's the 15-pound one you carry around or the Bible, the the online Bible tools like Bible Gateway, Blue Letter. There's a whole lot of them. U version. They all have a concordance. That's right. And uh, all of us who have come to learn uh, search engines like Google, it's all it is. It's a search engine for looking up the text, in this case, a specific word, if you put in two words, it'll give you a return all scripture that has those two words in them. And what's even cool is if you look up things like, uh, if, if you look up a word that says, for example, witness, it'll also return witnesses. But if you look up the word witnesses, it'll return witnesses, but not witness. So you also want to be intentional about your search words so that um, it would be better to put witness in unless you're specifically looking for witnesses because witnesses is a more uh, uh, granular search. It'll give you less return of, um, of scripture, but you also might miss important scriptures in your search. Got it. Got it. So yeah. So being being as specific as you can, unless you're doing a broad search, because this this is where I'm going to jump in and say, you know, sometimes, and this might just be me. Although I don't know, I think there might be one or two people like me out there who can kind of easily get overwhelmed. Like you just talked about, 3,800 references to uh, "Thus saith the Lord" or "I am." Like that's a lot. I'm not sure. Like once I got past five or six, I might start to feel like, oh my goodness, I don't know that I can, you know, I can take my poor little brain if I can take all of this in. So what would you say to somebody that, yeah, I want to know more, but oh my gosh, I I just can't, I can't afford to be overwhelmed. You know, that's really a great point. Um, so there's some other things in our search here that we want to think about. And let's go back to 
something practical, shall we? Let's. Okay, so um, back to the term, uh, if we believe that the Bible is God's revelation to mankind about himself, right, then what is God saying about himself that he's revealing to us? And that's what we, we, we probably should look at today. And like let's see what the Bible has to say. And before I go any farther, that word, if, in the Bible is a very interesting word. If. Um, Two letters, big word. That's right. And um, I'm going to give you an example. So in first John, uh, sorry, in the Gospel of John chapter 14, the first three verses is a good example of where the word is if is used. And of course, um, probably famous for a lot of you folks, it says, uh, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. If. I go to pre- pre- prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will return to receive you to myself. Now, first off. That's two ifs, I heard. That's right. That statement where Jesus is saying he's going to prepare a place for us, we could stop here and just dwell on that thought for a very long time. It's a very powerful thought. But Nancy picked on the, up on the fact that there's two ifs. Whenever you're reading the word if in the Bible because of our English generalized language, try to replace the word if with since, S-I-N-C-E. Hmm. So if in the Bible can come across conditional, but in the Greek, many times, it's not. So if you replace the word if with sense, and it works, you'll find that it's no longer conditional, but it's a positive um, uh, reformation of the statement to come. So in if I were to say this differently... When Jesus says in chapter 14 in John, mm-hmm. if, I, uh, if it were not so, I would have told you. Okay, yeah, so let's, let's do it. What, what would that look like? You could say, since, um, so I have to think through this. So yes. it, you if know. it were not true, since it is true, right, so we, that, we're flipping that, it. That's right. Yes. So really where this fits in this particular statement is Christ is saying if uh, it were not true, that's conditional and that's appropriate there. I would have told you, but I go to prepare a place for you. Now he's changed it to a positive, right? Not right. a conditional. And then he says, if uh, I go... Now you change it and say, if I, if it were not true, I would have told you, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Since I'm going to prepare a place for you, I will return to receive you to myself. So the sense there is appropriate in the second point, the second if, because it builds on the statement before it. Okay. All right. I think I'm catching up. We'll practice this at home. Yeah. So all to say, it's a fun thing. If you're, if you're seeing the word if in the Bible, try to replace sense and see if it supports it or not. And that actually adds context, which is what we got to before we talked about in the last episode. Right. So, yeah, just the, even in that example that you just gave, if is, yeah, it's, it's saying, well, if it weren't true, the, the implication there is 
it is true. Exactly. Right? And if it wasn't true, I would have told you. But since it is true, this is what I'm telling you. That's right. So, yeah, I like that. I like it. So, um, all right, what else you got? What else? Yeah, so let's focus on the fact that um, we believe the Bible. And remember, most of our audience uh, that we're speaking to today are people who are believers in Jesus Christ. Find that the Bible maybe is a bit intimidating or looking for ways to find answers to their circumstances in various ways. And God, because he built us and made us in his image, certainly has a lot to say on what is the right way to live, what is the right actions to take, and therefore is a guide for us through Scripture, through the Word, both the living and the written Word, um, for us to be our foundation to lead our lives. So, Okay, so let me, let me jump in there. So in other words, if I'm hearing you right, I'm distilling this down to the level where I can understand it. Um, we don't have to be professionals. We That's don't right. have to leave it to the experts as it were. I mean, and we're not knocking, right? We're not knocking pastors and theologians. I mean, thank God for them because they, they, they study these things out. Um, and that's wonderful. And yet even these pastors and experts would encourage us because they're here to teach and train and equip us so that we can have confidence to go to the scriptures for ourselves and know God for ourselves. We don't need that mediator. We that, might need some help and training, but ultimately it is for us to know God's word. It is. And it's not only important for us to know God's word, that, that's the starting point, right? We all have our own story of how we came to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And that's our own personal testimony. We don't need anybody to tell us. We don't need essentially scripture to tell our story about how we came to saving faith. In the same way, we don't need necessarily outsiders because we have the Holy Spirit within us. And there's much of the Bible that we can learn and understand and glean from. But we do need our pastors and we do need those who are trained for really the difficult passages and for things that perhaps we don't fully comprehend because we don't have that level of training and teaching. And there's much need for that. But back to Nancy, your point, not only is it important and incumbent upon us to learn what God has to say and reveal in his word to us, but the more we have an understanding of that ourselves, we can then be a resource to other people that are just like you and me. Right, right. And because the goal is 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 to know God's word, but to really know it means we act on it. To That's right. To apply God's word. And, I, and I'm thinking, you know, I, I like to think in terms of analogies. You know, you talked about, yeah, we, we need those. We need those pastors and those those people who have devoted their lives to studying the word to to teach and to train us, I think of say, um, all right, you're, you're a science guy. I'm a humanities girl. So, um, you know, English. So there are English professors, people that teach, uh, writing skills, creative writing, or, or, you know, any of that realm. So we need them to teach us, but the goal is, you know, they're not going to be writing everything for us. The goal is for us to be able to express ourselves, we do that by learning and then applying what we've learned. Yeah, that's so beautifully said. So, you know, if we, if we want to then say, what does the scripture say 
uh, about God? Well, it again, like in the last episode, we kind of leaned on um, Bodhi, um, um, his his statement of why he believes the Bible. I'd like oh, yeah, to lean. Bakum. Yep. Uh, thank you. I, I'd I'd like to lean on something that uh, John MacArthur has written about what the Bible says, and he says the Bible uh, teaches that there's but one living and true God, an infinite all-knowing being, perfect in all his attributes, one in essence, eternally existing in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, each equally deserving worship and obedience. I think that sums up what God has to say about himself to us. All right, so I have a feeling we're going to do a bit of a deep dive into this today. Yeah, so back when Nancy said, you know, grab your app, if you will, your Bible app. And uh, one thing I'd like to recommend is let's assume for a minute that you're a, a young believer. I wouldn't say necessarily a new believer. Let's say that you're one of those people we're speaking to that are intimidated by the Bible. And... um you're really interested in how you can find answers to your circumstances or you have a topic or a question. My first recommendation is to stay in whatever um, translation or version of the Bible that uh, you use. So, for example, my first choice is the New American Standard, but there is the English Standard Version, there's the uh, NIV, there's the new King James Version. There's any number of versions. That's the beauty of today. There's been a lot of sort of conversational Bibles versus, you know, the old style Bible like the King James Version. And so if you're new, stay in the same version because you'll learn sort of its writing style and it'll help you in your searches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the the rhythm of, yeah, of the language of that. So I, I think that's a really great point. Um, and we were talking a little bit earlier that, you know, I like to, I, I think I have my preferred version, um, but I, I like to visit other versions too, especially for a familiar passage. Cause like, Hmm, how does this other version say that, you know, how does the, like you said, there's, there's, there's translations, there's versions, there's paraphrases, you know, so um, we could really go into the weeds on that. We won't, but, you know, of, of how literal a translation it is, or if we're just getting the essence of what this certain passage means. And I, and I think it, it can be helpful to, you know, I'm, I, I love thesauruses, right? I love to, oh, what's another word for simple or, you know, um, And so I think that can be helpful as well. I very much do. So my recommendation to stay in the same version is really for uh, someone who's really just getting acquainted with the Bible and maybe taking some advice that we're giving here about how to go look up particular um, phrases or words uh, so that you can hone in on what God has to say about that particular topic or circumstance. Now, what Nancy's talking about, and I highly recommend it, as you get more and more familiar with the Bible, you start to come across some things that say, well, you know, I'd like to better, more completely understand what's being said here. And you can then go to other versions where it's said similarly right? It's not different. It's similar. And add more context, more color, um, more depth to 
that particular passage. So I highly recommend it for those of you that feel that you're at that point. Yeah, yeah. And like and going back to your point, yes. So the continuity is really important, right? You want consistency and continuity so that you can, you know, get a sense of the rhythm of all right, how this this version that I'm reading, the language and oh yeah, I've heard this before and this makes sense. But um but yeah, I think I think I think it is good. Um just because it you said this, you said similar not different. And that's important, right? We're not looking at, oh, well, this is completely different than what's, you know, the NAS and and the NLT. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. It should agree with itself, maybe different angles, maybe a different, um, you know, the prism, right? So a, a, a different light shed. Um, and that can be helpful. Yeah, let's be very clear. That word canon that maybe people have heard, one of the things that makes a particular book a canon of the Bible, which means it confirms or conforms to all others, is that the Bible is infallible. And when we say infallible, it means it agrees with itself wholly and totally. And it also means it agrees with itself in its parts. Think about that for a minute. As human beings, when people want to tell you, you know, the Bible's written by a bunch of human beings, and we've already covered that. Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact is that something that has been collect is a collection of books over 1,500 years. To keep your story straight, us human beings, impossible. Yeah. You know what, what it makes me think of? Um, this might be crazy, but this is how my mind works. Um, you know, when you take like a personality test, and I don't mean like the ones online, but like like a real, you know, like a um, a clinically based, like a psychologically clinically based personality test, often what those tests will do, and they're long, they might be 100, 200 questions, but they will rephrase the same question several times throughout the test just to see if you're giving consistent answers. And I think, you know, if, if I fail at those all the time, well, <laughs> I was going to say, if you, if you give inconsistent answers, it can be indicative of there's something going on, but, but that's, um, but, but this is what I think of because the scriptures do that. It passes that test. Um, Slightly different wording here, there, everywhere, but the same message, not a contradictory, opposing message. That's right. And, you know, what's interesting is it's not Nancy saying that or me saying that. Um, It's not even your pastor saying that. It's hundreds and thousands of years of scrutiny like no other ancient piece of literature or modern piece of literature has been scrutinized. Right. Oh, and that's a whole other great topic in and of itself. Way longer than we have time to go into today. But yeah, when you look at how other works of, uh, you know, literature have been accepted that that don't have the same historicity, if that's the right word, or, um, you know, number of manuscripts and number, you know, just all the checks and balances that that what we know as the Bible has. That's right. So in our statement, um, or in this case, MacArthur's statement, and and he gleaned it obviously from Scripture, um, it talks about this true and living God. And um, so if you were going to kind of search um, living God, for example, all right, those are two words, you're going to find 70 verses in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. 
And that's kind of good to know that that concept is is being put forth in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And actually, it splits up pretty evenly, 34 and 30, uh, 36 and 34 verses. And if you just dig a little in reading the choices that come up in your search, you'll find very quickly you get to Deuteronomy and um, Deuteronomy uh, 5, uh, 26. And... Um, you know, or you get, you get to, um, uh, Deuteronomy 6, 4, which says, you know, I am, uh, the, uh, I am the Lord, your God, the Lord of Israel, the Lord is one. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And then in, uh, 526, it says that I am the living God. Right. Well, then in the New Testament, you find out in all of those 36 or 34 searches, you come out across Matthew twenty-two thirty-two, and there um, Jesus is sort of rebuking the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and I won't get into who they are at this point because you probably have heard of them and know of them. Um, but he says, you, they're asking him actually about this, Sadducees are asking him about the question of marriage. And it's the example of this guy marries, and then according to the Jewish tradition, he dies, and he's got six other brothers. They all end up marrying her, dying her. They they, they marry her, and they die. So, right. And the Sadducees didn't even believe in the resurrection. They didn't, And they did were they? sad, you see. I can't look at that. <laughs> well well done, Nancy. Yeah. And, uh, and so Jesus says, you really don't understand scriptures, and you don't understand because uh, they— uh, that none are married in heaven. We're all like angels. We all are in heaven meant to worship the living God. And Jesus tells us there in Matthew twenty-two thirty-two that don't you know God is the living God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. And so he's letting us know that um, God's eternal and we have a place with him. And this time on this earth is just a blink of time and that when we go with him, we will be like the angels and we will be worshiping with them, our God. Right. Okay. So I want to, I want to park here for a minute because you just said something. It might be a bit of a rabbit trail, but I, in my mind, it all goes together. So, so yeah, so Jesus is telling them, you don't know the scriptures. Well, what do you mean we don't know them? They, they knew them inside and out, right? They knew the, the letter of the law. They were very, very familiar with the letter of the law. But Jesus is telling them, you don't know the scriptures. And I don't think this is a stretch to say this, that what he was telling them is, I'm right in front of you. You do not recognize me. Right? We talked about this last time. The Word of God, right? In the beginning was the Word. Here I am before you. You are rejecting me and you're, you're parsing words with me. And I think this is so important because a lot of times, you know, it's, it's easy to say, oh, you Pharisees, you're so religious. I'm not like you. Well, you know, how often do I just want to parse words rather than get to the heart of it? It's like, yeah, yes, these are words on a page. But this is the person of God. You know, at the end of the day, if I'm reading scripture and I'm just coming away with words or principles or 24 irrefutable laws to your best life yet, I'm missing the point. This is about knowing the living God, as you just said, the living God. 
Yeah, no, that is such a huge point. What you're really talking about is the difference between knowing head knowledge, Scripture, and knowing head knowledge, uh, the history of Jesus Christ even, for example. But Christ also makes the point to the Pharisees and the Sadducees that even the devil and his minions, right, that right. they know Scripture. Yeah, yeah, they know the words. They know right? the words. They can recite it. And regurgitate it. And they recognize Christ in his full glory as both fully man and both fully God, but they don't have a heart for God, right. and neither did these Sadducees and Pharisees. They were more worried about being religious than they were about right. being a follower of Jesus Christ and that word, which is the living word. Right, right. Well, you know, I think Bob Dylan, I can't believe I'm bringing him into this conversation, but you know, it's that old song, uh, you got to serve somebody at the end of the day, right? It may be the devil, it may be the Lord, but you know, in the end, we're either, we're either worshiping God or I, I would put it this way, we're worshiping ourselves, yes. which in essence is the same thing as worshiping the enemy of God because yeah, we are not God. Right. That's right. And we're also no match for the enemy. So, so yeah, who are we worshiping? Mm. Are we worshiping the words? Are we worshiping principles? Are we worshiping ourselves? Or are we worshiping the living God who knows you by name, knows the number of hairs on your head, and gave you this word so that you could know him better, right? Not just getting the answers, because we talked about that too. And I'm not saying it's wrong to, you know, hey, you you got questions about life. The Bible does have answers. That's good. Get your answers, but wait, there's more. Because we have this resource in the Bible that we could know God, that he wants to be known. And in knowing him, we get the answers, right? Um, but it's, it's such a, a, a contrast is that, well, I want the answers first. It's like, well, the answers without God really don't even mean anything. That's right. And if the, there I'm using that if word, if, yep. since we it. know the Bible is God's revelation to mankind, that the first thing we want and ought to do in our search really from the heart, which is what you were talking about, that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were missing, is not what do I think about God. It's what does God want to reveal about himself mm, to me? Very important. Very important difference. And so... And so un... Uh, well, I was going to say un-American, but that's not fair to America. So un-Western, right? Our Western thought is so me-centric. Well, everything hinges on what... I think. Right? Yeah. And, and my preference. Well, and that's a really, really important point that you just brought up about what we're talking about in this series, right? You know, we, we, we're telling or we're saying to you that there's a way where you can, because you have the right heart as a believer in Jesus Christ and you have the Holy Spirit in you, so you can go to the Bible, right? The written word to learn about the living word. And that's really critical. We're not suggesting. Uh, we're suggesting using Scripture to see what God has to say about your circumstance, right? But we're not saying go to Scripture so that you can find um, uh, your answer, 
you're really going to find God's answer. The answer. The answer. The answer. Not your truth, not my truth, right? but the truth. And when you do that, if you do that with the right heart, what you might find is because, and and let me raise my hand high here, Um, when you go at it looking for God to confirm your point of view, you're not being humble, you're not being open to the truth, you're really looking for confirmation. It's the equivalent of misusing Gideon's fleece um, challenge to God where he says, okay, God, I want you to, here's this fleece I'm going to put on the ground. When I wake up in the morning, um, make the fleece wet and the, the ground around it dry. And God does that. And then Gideon says, well, you know, pardon my lack of faith, but let's do one more. Why don't you make the ground wet and the fleece dry? And he does that. And a lot of people misuse that um, where they say, okay, Lord, I'm trying to make a decision on this vehicle that Nancy talked about in the last podcast. And if I go through seven successive green lights, that means you want me to get the um, SUV. And if I don't, I'm going to get the sedan, well, or the truck or whatever. That's not going at it with an open heart. Right, right. And yeah, the the difference there, even with Gideon, it was in the context of a relationship with God. Yes, his, his, you know, you could talk about his level of faith, but that's it's very different to be in a conversation with, look, God, I'm struggling with my faith. And all right, God, I need you to do this, this, and this. And then if you do this, this, and this, then I'll believe you. That's right. So Gideon is a great example of, um, it's it's actually for all of us, should be for all of us, very heartwarming to know that there are examples in Scripture of people who are like us, that sometimes waver in faith, sometimes need confirmation from God, and that's just fine. Um, and that's the whole point of Gideon in that example, is that God honored his um, his wavering of faith. Right, God knew that he was a man of faith, that he had a heart for God, and he needed to be strengthened because God was going to use him mightily. He was going to say, you're going to face almost 100,000 people, and you're bringing 30,000, and I'm going to end up giving you 30 or 300. Well, maybe you got to have some strength of faith in that, and God honored that. Right. So anyway, back to the rabbit hole, or coming out of the rabbit hole. So. Okay. So one of the things that um, other uh, that religion says is, well, there can't be one God and three gods, but the Bible doesn't actually say that. Okay, all right. I feel like we're getting into something here. Are you talking about the Trinity? Oops. Here we go. Let's do it. All right. I'm rolling my sleeves up. Let's do this thing. (laughs) Well, we are. So, um, and Nancy can probably correct me on this. um, I got it. But there is is a great book. Uh, We're not here to promote books necessarily, but there's a great book by uh, Dr. Michael Gilliam, and it's called Believing is Seeing. And in it, Dr. Gilliam makes, makes the point that there's something called... Um, trans, trans logic. Trans logic. Thank trans you. Logical thinking. Yeah, trans logical thinking, and and you know he works with the statement says uh, 
this statement is false. And if it's true, it, it's false. And if it's false, it's true. Which says, how can it be? Head exploding. Head exploding. The Bible, by the way, has many truths in it that are beyond our comprehension, right? And this is one. And so the cults out there and uh, the religious orders say, if God is one, there can't be multiple gods. And in fact, that's true. There's one God, and he's true, and he's living. But the Bible teaches that God ha- is in the form of three persons. And- ooh, ooh, okay. Now you've just conjured up that book because, yes, the example that M- Dr. Michael Gillen, who's an astrophysicist and mathematician from Harvard, by the way, so he gives the example of light, right? Light is a particle and it's a wave. At the same time, how can this be? Um, I was going to let you make that definition. Oh, well, uh, no, I, 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 yeah, I defer so, back to you, the so, scientist. Yeah, so so Nancy's point, yeah. and more important, Dr. Gillen's point, is that um, light has wave properties and behaves as such. But wait a minute, light has particle f- properties and behaves as such at the same time at the same time inexplicable and i say inexplicable because even today we don't fully understand it translogical that's translogical and so if we want to search the scripture that says prove to me that god's one and yet god is three persons how do I do that? How do I confirm that? Well, you're not looking for multiple gods. You're looking for figures of speech. And so if I wanted to search for God being plural, I might want to say, let me search God and us. Two words. The beauty of that search is there's a whole lot of verses. But the other beauty of it is the first two search results are the right ones. So the first one is Genesis Genesis one twenty six. Right. Where God you know what it says. God says, Let us make man in our image. Let us. Not let us, but let us. Yes. And the other one is in Genesis three, I believe it's three fourteen, where having sinned, God is concerned about um the new knowledge of Adam and Eve being able to eat from uh, the tree of, of knowledge of good and evil, of knowledge of good and evil, which they did, and then they were then possibly going to eat from the tree of total eternity, which would have been bad. That's why they got banished from the Garden of Eden, and so there, they God says, "Let us remove them from the garden." So, first off. The who's he talking to? The eight hundred search the eight hundred search results can be overwhelming, like Nancy has said in the past. Oh yeah, easily overwhelmed. You should see me at Cheesecake Factory. But the beauty, but the beauty is the first two searches bring you your answer. And the fact is, if you then continue to read Scripture, you'll find, for example, in Second Corinthians. Um, chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, it says the Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or freedom. 
and us all with unveiled faces. That's you who are out there who are believers Mm -hmm. in Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. um, uh, are beholding as to the, uh, beholding as to the word, that's the scripture, are being transformed from glory to glory, just as the Lord, the spirit. So here we have a reference to the, to the Lord being spirit. And also later, if we look at Holy Spirit, we'll see that the Holy Spirit is used in a personal sense. He, you see the word or the pronoun he. What do you see for Jesus? The pronoun he. Right. Not a force, but a person. Yeah. And so many references in the gospels of Jesus speaking about, you know, I and the Father are one and also speaking of the Holy Spirit, that this promise that he is with you now, but he will be in you, which is a whole other topic I'd love to talk about. But, but yeah, so like if you, if I'm spoiler alert, if you are looking for the word Trinity in the Bible, are you going to find it, Bob Rad? No, you won't. Okay. And that, and, right. th- and this is really what's important because when you see that God is one and yet you see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit referenced as he, meaning persons, you can feel comfortable when you talk to others that there is one God. He is true and he's living, yet he is in three persons, and that's a whole different topic for another time. Well, I love this. My head is just south of exploding. So I think this is probably a good place to stop, but this is actually really good. And this is comprehensible. I mean, it's, it's a mystery in the end. It's like, no, we, we are not the author of it. So we can't say, oh yeah, I fully understand that. And yet God wants us to know. He wants us to study and he wants to give us understanding. Most of all, he wants to reveal himself through this. Because again, this is this is not about parsing words. It's not about how proving how smart we are. This is about God revealing himself to us through the word. And for some reason, he wants us to know that he is one and he is spirit and he is the son, three in one. And we don't necessarily have to fully comprehend it because his mind is not our mind, thank That's God. That's right. We are not all together like him, and yet he wants to he wants us to draw near, right? Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So let's just kind of summarize. So this is what I'm getting. You tell me if I'm on board. So so far between episode two and today, what I'm getting is we if we really want to study, search the scriptures, right? First and foremost, Approach it with humility, right? Amen. We're not the center of the universe. This is not about God proving himself to me, but about me understanding who this God is. So there's surrender. There's worship there. That is crucial to our approaching the word. And then having that context, understanding, all right, these are words and they will speak to me, but I also want to understand what's what's behind these words. Where is that, again, that history, those um those colloquialisms, the just what's going on uh, around it. So as as I get to know the word, as I read more of the word, I'm seeing a bigger body of work than That's just right. a little verse here and there. That's exactly right. All right. Well, hey, this has been so helpful to me, but this is not all, right? We've got two more episodes. So I uh, want to give us a little teaser. What what can we expect next time? Yeah, back to knowing that uh, the Bible is um, God's revelation to mankind about himself 
the next thing to say for us to ask is, so what are we to do with that? What is our relationship meant to be between us and our God? All right. I can't wait for that conversation. So in the meantime, thanks so much for being with us today, Bob. And thank you for listening to the Immeasurably More podcast. We'll be back next time on Searching the Scriptures. And we're just going to end it here like we often do with Ephesians 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Well, there you have it. We've enjoyed our conversation today and hope that you feel more equipped to examine Scripture to find what God has to say about the important circumstances you're facing in your life. Until next time, examine the Scripture, drink from the Word of Life, and let the Bible feed your spirit.